Welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist interview at the War Memorial Opera House. My name is Claire Sheridan. I'm the founder of the LEAP program at St. Mary's College of California, and I'm your host here today for the San Francisco Ballet Center for Dance Education. It's Sunday, February 13th, 2011, and this is program one. I do want to announce that some of these Meet the Artist interviews will be available as podcasts on our website at sfballet.org. Uh, folks, I'm, I'm like 100 years old in, in dance years, like dog years, dance years, but I still like to take a ballet class once in a while. And yesterday I was in a studio in a dressing room in Berkeley. And uh, my friend asked me, well, who are you going to interview tomorrow? And when I told her, some other dancers, including a group of young dancers, overheard me, and they all went nuts. They said, no oh my God, Sofiane, she, she's so wonderful. They were almost speechless. She's tall, she's French. Have you seen her in Giselle? Have you seen her in the middle, somewhat elevated? She, they, they were just thrilled. And so I would like to dedicate this interview um, today to the Berkeley fan club of the dancers sitting next to me right now. And ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sofiane Silva. Thank you. She is a principal dancer with the company, and I thought it'd be good to start off with, if you could tell us, please, um, what started you on the path to becoming a dancer? Well, I, I think I have said that story, but my grandmother is responsible for all of it. Um, she dropped me in ballet studio around four or five years old, and I guess I got stuck, and then ballet took over. So she's the one, you know, that I have to say thanks for all that. Did you ever consider I mean, why ballet? Would you consider maybe modern oh, or musical uh, theater? Well, I mean, you know, she, she had that thing. She was like, you know, you have to do something artistic, whether it's music, drawing. And for me, music, you know, all those black notes in white paper just didn't agree with me. So I was like, I, I, I guess I'll stick to ballet. The pink tights thing, not too, you know, Sasso France was hot. It was just like, why do I have to wear all these things? Um, and then I think the, the piano sound just totally, I totally related to that. So I never even entertained the thought of contemporary work because, I mean, the piano, the mirror, my teacher of the time, um, that was it. I just found the place I wanted to be. So when's the last time your family saw you perform? Are they still back? You grew up in, or you were born in Nice? I was born in Nice. Uh, the last time I danced in France was uh, Swan Lake in Versailles with the English National Ballet. So that's a few years ago. Um, they haven't been out here, or at least not during the season, so it's been a little while, and my grandma passed, so it, it's less of a, an important thing now. So you've, you've danced in, in France with the Dutch National Ballet, you, you've danced there, and, and New York City Ballet prior to joining the company in Correct. 2008. What made you choose San Francisco Ballet? Well, at the time, um, after coming from Europe and breaking in into New York City Ballet, which is not an easy place to break in because it's so different, um, I was craving again to do the classics and have a mixed rep, which we didn't really have at City Ballet. I mean, it was really based on Balanchine and Jerry's work, which was wonderful. And then I also wanted to start the whole teaching part with the school. And um, when I spoke to Helge, it was like, well, maybe we should try this place. And the rep was a little bit more familiar to me in the sense of it had more colors. And uh, for me, it was important to have different kinds of food, as we say. So yeah. it worked out. And I also teach uh, three times a week at the school. So being on the other side, teaching them is also still teaching myself in many ways. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it just worked out. You mentioned... Um 
a different kind of food, because a, a dancer needs to be nourished with, with new works and to keep, I guess, the mind and the, and the body feeling engaged. Absolutely. But how does that feel on your body when you change styles? For example, this afternoon it's Giselle, romantic style of ballet, and then if you switch and do something very contemporary, like a, a William Forsythe piece, how does that feel on your body? It's brutal. Oh. It's brutal. Uh, let's just be very honest about that one. Um, well, let's just say that having a, a classical bass is the base for any kind of dance. So once your, your machine is warmed up, you basically can do anything. But there's always a little cross-training that you can do to help. So we have a bunch of, you know, uh, Pilates teachers. You can go to yoga. You can swim. There's a lot of things you can do to help. But, yeah, your body is like, uh, this is not the way we usually do things, you know? So you have to, it takes a little time to get used to it. So we have to adapt. So, you know, what you see like on every night, you know, you'll see Giselle and you'll see a triple bill. I mean, you know, those guys are very talented, yeah. for sure. So you've been in San Francisco now for three years. Mm -hmm. Have you changed? Has the city affected you? What's it like living here versus New York or in Europe? Well, I find the pace of life much more human. Um, I still remain a New Yorker at, at heart, so I go home anytime I have a minute. Um, I like the pace, I like the, the quality of life, and I think, you know, for the most part, I love what I do. So, you know, coming to the Opera House, whether I feel good or I'm in pain, I'm still happy to walk into those doors and do my thing and work my way up to the show. Uh, sp speaking of pain, can you talk a little bit about injuries and, and mm -hmm. how that affects a, a dancer's life? And well, it's basically part, part of your life. I mean, at this point, it's been, I've been dancing for 20 years. So, I mean, you know, most days I wake up and I have something. But um, I think you find a way to work your body, to warm it up in, in a way of accepting that towards the performance. And then you try to learn too. Your body is also telling you something when it's in pain. So obviously there's also, you know, when you overwork, when you do a little too much, and then you have to pace yourself with what you have. But, um, I mean, the days where you wake up that you feel wonderful and it rarely happens. <laughs> it just doesn't happen anymore. So, so if, if you weren't a dancer then, what would you be? Good question. I'm, I'm so comfortable in those shoes that now it's like, gosh, what else would I have been doing? Um, might have been a frustrated lawyer, actually. I like things to be fair and balanced, and then you find out that actually life is not. So it's like, maybe I would have done that. like lang languages, and I love to read. So... Anything that would have allowed me that, I would have probably bent towards that. But there's no way at this point that I could do anything and be as comfortable as what I do being on stage or being a dancer. And you know what? I don't like to toggle that much, so ballet is wonderful. I don't have to talk. You just have to be, you know? You're doing a good job now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you know, you. It's, it's interesting. Uh, um, the, the, as an aside, the, the, the program at St. Mary's College is designed to allow professional dancers to earn a Bachelor of Arts degree while they're still dancing. And a lot of the company members here um, are going to college uh, on Sunday nights. Uh, they'll be in class tonight, um, working toward their degree. And so many of these dancers become lawyers. Mm -hmm. It's almost like they do want to get out there and talk after all those years of not being able to speak. You can't shut them up afterwards. You know, they, they want to right. get out there. And right. It's like put things where they belong. Well, I think, by the way, the LEAP program is a wonderful program. It really, you know, gives a chance for dancers with that schedule to actually 
have a different life next to it. So thank you for doing that. And all the courageous guys that put themselves through it. Um, big thing next to what we do. But yeah, I think also the discipline of a dancer, gosh, I mean, it takes you basically through life. I mean, you know, whether you do ballet, whether you go and study, whether you put yourself into a, a different organization, I mean, that discipline is so right on that it's, it's a good school. Um, and how do you like to fill your time when you're not dancing, like when you're on a day off or mm -hmm. do you sleep? <laughs> I love to sleep. But uh, beyond that, um, like I said, I love reading. I love, you know, catching on movies. And you know what? Just basic getting together with friends and over a, a, a commune table and just catch up on people's life about what actually happened to them. That's basically what I love to do. And, you know, yes, I'll do yoga, I'll swim. And then I fly back to New York a lot. So I'm on the plane quite a bit. You mentioned movies, and mm -hmm. we have to ask it. Have you seen Black Swan? Yeah. <laughs> How yeah. many of you here have seen the movie Black Swan? Not too many, but would you like to... What is your opinion, and do you think it's... Um, well, I said that over there was a, a dinner party, and I said it was a wonderful waste of time. Um, just because, um, for me, it missed the point. I mean, the amount of cliché, um, I just basically, I, I missed the dance. I, I wanted to see a ballet movie with the dance, and I guess when you don't have a dancer, it's, it's difficult. So you just, you just sort of, you know, it's like, you know, when you don't have a lot of food, you put a lot of extras. That was a little bit of that for me. So if I look at ballet movies, you know, the red shoes, I mean, that girl was like, I mean, I would totally fall in love with her. And, you know, she would move, and there was no need of any extra or any cliches or any, like, drama. It was just like, she has her own drama by just looking at what she does. So I basically miss the fact that it's like, I want to see dance. You know, if, you, if, we, if we're doing a ballet movie and everything else is just, yeah, no interest, none whatsoever. Do you think it, it, it helps or hurts the, the reputation of, of ballet? Not sure. You know, it's, it's a bit like the flavor of the month, yeah. uh, which is where I think it missed the point. I think if you really had done the research about how magical this place is, that would have maybe made people understand why we're doing this. I don't think this movie portrayed that at all. I mean, it was her own little whatever. I'm not going to get into the whole, you know, psychology of it. But, um, yeah, I think it totally missed the point of... Uh, yeah, I mean, I wake up, I'm in pain. I don't feel pain out there. Never, ever. I mean, you feel it before, you feel it after, but on the moment, you just don't feel it. It's like, it's the best drug ever. You know what I mean? And I didn't get that through the, the movie. I didn't get that into the, the story. I just, it was, okay, it's just, we're just making a movie. And yeah, for now, it's like, oh, yeah, ballet again, because we haven't had a ballet movie in a while. But like I said, no interest. Sorry, my, my point of view. No, it's, it's important because I think that's, you have the authority to speak about this. Well, and it's also like Swan, like it's such a particular ballet, like for a girl to actually portray the wing of a swan mm -hmm. is such an intense research about how do you take the elbow bone out of the equation? It's almost impossible. And you spend hours in the mirror looking at yourself front, side, back, because on stage you don't have time anymore. It has to be part of like breathing. Like I don't have to think about it. Did we see that? No. I mean, I saw a lot of makeup. I saw a lot of like blood and, and I was just like, okay, whatever. So 
We missed that point. Um, if you're just joining us, I am in conversation with Sofiane Silve, and in a short while we'll be able to take some questions from you. We really want to encourage this so you can be formulating these questions in your mind as we move forward. Um, let's focus on this afternoon's performance of Giselle. Mm -hmm. Yes. And what role do you play in this production? Myrta. Can you the, tell us about her? Yeah, a lot of people say, oh, you're the evil one. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Yeah, she's evil. She kills people that mess up with love. But I think that's a fair position to have, don't you think? Have, 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 uh, folks here have not seen Giselle before. This is new for them. Can you explain when Myrta, who she is? Right, she, um, she's the queen of the willies. Basically, um, all those young girls that have been brokenhearted by a guy, obviously, uh, just come to her place and they survive, their soul survive because she takes care of them. So basically, when those people come back to fetch for them, she kills them. So, yeah, I think she's just protecting her girls of broken heart. So she's not that evil, after all, in my eyes. She, she probably has been hurt herself too. I mean, uh, you know, there's a lot that's been written on the on the willies, but um, it's hard to say how she became one. Like you don't have, you can't go that far back. But my my guess would be that she's probably through it, and the only way she's found to survive. And as you know, you can look into spirit, spirituality. Souls always remain. Um, that's where she's found a way to remain. And there's a lot of girls out there. So, um, do you try to make? Her a sympathetic character because when, when she realizes that the love between um, Albert and Giselle is so powerful, how does she respond to the fact that the plan is not going according to plan? Right. I think pure love is something or unconditional love is something that you can't fight. It's either there or not. So I would give her that, that in, in Giselle's eyes, it's pure and unconditional love. In the prince's eyes, I'm still questioning that. I mean, he still acted like a jerk in first act. So it's like, you know, do we forgive that? Do we not? I wouldn't. But, you know, um, I think in her eyes, as Giselle, her heart, uh, whether she felt in a, in a way very naively into it, it's still true. To her, it's true. So that's the power she can't fight because you can't fight that. Do we ever actually? We can't. Yeah, there's always a, for those of you who are new to the ballet, there's different ways of interpreting Albrecht. He's either you know, a playboy who uses women, or he really is feeling trapped in his uh, role as a noble and wants out and does indeed fall in love with Giselle. So there's different ways to play it. The program notes are great. They're written by Cheryl Osola. And, and uh, if you have your program, there's an interesting discussion of that in there. Um, Dancers are often asked to do some dramatic work. We have to really act, Romeo and Juliet or... Right. And did you receive training, acting training, dramatic training? And do most dancers do that? Or are they just told, oh, here, be sad, and you figure it out? No, I think, like, you know, any dancers um, that would be on this stage is a result of many years, many people. You know, it, you know like, it was at Hillary Clinton, that it takes a village. I think it always does. I mean, in my case, it was meetings of all those people all these years in all those countries that just would put you in that studio and then you know you would do Juliet and it's like how do you drink that poison how how would you actually come out of that and basically you spend 
time doing girl time, as I would, I would call it, because you, you don't want to have anybody else in the room, and you just experiment on how you can translate that feeling and that gut-wrenching feeling to, to, to drink that thing because you're so heartbroken that there's no other way you can find to actually go on. So um, I guess there's no really, uh, uh, like, a class you follow. I think it just happens that once you get to do the role and you find the person that wants to work with you, you make it happen at the time. Can you talk about that person who wants to work with you? Is that a coach? Could be a ballet master, could be a ballet mistress. It could be anybody that has that drama eye who can actually say, you know, it's also a mime, which that you do in school, the way you portray yourself and you actually can carry a full conversation on stage without speaking again. It's just the way you put your body forward. I'm asking you something. I'm, you know, I don't want to hear about you. Um, so that's something that we have. It's part of your curriculum. But everything else, I mean, the way you, yeah, you portray Juliet, it's really trying to find in you, in your heart, how you would do that. Because, what well, you're not going to kill yourself to find out. You're going to have to act on it. So you basically, it's really just digging your own demons. Because for the most part, it's, it's that. Um, do you have role models? Or did you have them when you were younger and you would study how they performed certain roles? Or? Uh, no, I wouldn't do that too much because for me, being a copycat didn't work. I, ha I had to find my own way. Um, but I was very lucky. I, I came across wonderful ballerinas that just wanted to spend the time with me. One of them was Noëlla Pontois from Paris Opera, who was a wonderful dancer. Uh, you know, we worked on um, Sylphid, Swan Lake. And um, like I said, it just gives you what works for you. And if you find that person that can give you that, then you have the keys to the house. Mm -hmm. I don't need to have the house. I want the keys to the house to enter the house, basically. And sh she did that a lot. I had a wonderful ballet mistress back in Europe from um, Hungary. My gosh, she made me work like a horse. But, you know, she got things out of me. And, you know, sometimes you get in that studio and it's like you just cry for, like, trying to just let it out. And sometimes it's just really a fight against yourself just to let it out and allow yourself to let other people look at it. I think that's basically what you protect yourself into, like, I can't allow people there, but actually you should because it's, it's a good healing process too. Um, how do you prepare yourself for a performance? Well, a lot depends on how I feel physically. So right now it's King's speech. We're having this joke with my massage therapist, Larry. He's really funny. He says, well... Just have a long King's speech warm-up because it just takes me a little longer to get there right now. So for right now, I have to time, you know, my long warm-up, um, the kind of makeup, the way I'm going to get ready for the show. For Myrta, it's a very intense, ghostly-like um, makeup. So all of it is part of my getting ready of the day. And then obviously it depends if we've been rehearsing something else during the day, so I need to go back and put myself into that story. So I'm right into it for the show. So it really just depends on how much we're doing, and we're always busy with the next programs coming up, so it's a constant, okay, what's tonight? And then you have to put that tape back in. Basically. You have uh, energy food? I mean, do you wait to eat after the show? or do you? Oh, yeah, yeah, there's no way. I mean, I could not eat before the show, because first of all, I can't close that tutu anymore, and all I want is just digest quietly <laughs> and dancing is not one of them so I, I, I like it's a wonderful thing to sit down 
uh, after the show with friends and you have dinner, it's just a wonderful thing to do. And it's okay because people look at you funny because you still have your makeup on. It's like, I don't always look like this. Stop <laughs> looking at me like that. So, uh, but yeah, no, you, you, you sort of have yeah, energy, but like birds, you know, you just don't want to have your stomach screaming, but there's no way. Mirta, you don't want to have dinner before that. Just don't. Um, what makes you nervous? Um, well, like I said, the condition of your body, sometimes you just go, I hope I can go through this. Uh, sometimes lack of time, like you just, it happens that, you know, injuries and stuff, and you just end up having like that one rehearsal before you go on stage. Um, and then your own little butterflies, where, you know, a performance is a live performance, you just never know what's going to happen. So that's basically my little routine of stress. What um, other roles will you be uh, dancing this season so we can look for you? Uh, Artifact is coming up, so I'm looking forward to do that again. Uh, talk about challenging your body to extremes, right? Because ballet is all about finding that right balance all the time, the way you place your hand at the bar, the way you let it go. And then there you go, Billy Forsyth arrives and he goes, well, how about we take that balance and you share that balance with your partner? And it's like... Right. The concept is, I can see the concept, it's just physically, it's a whole different thing. So it's very challenging to actually break the rules because then you, put, you can put the rules back into the box. So it's a great experience. So that's coming. And I'm very much looking forward to uh, Winter Dreams, which is based on the Three Sisters, Chekhov's play. So it's a real story ballet, uh, very understated. Uh, Macmillan. So we are just basically this week starting to rehearse for that. So looking forward to actually get into a story ballet again, where you really, I mean, you know, balancing is, you, you, you have your own story, you have your own thing going on, but there, there's a real story. Uh, one last question before we take questions from the audience. Um, is, is that where you see the future of, of ballet, is story ballets? Well, I believe there's always a story. Mr. Balanchine used to say something very interesting. He said, you know, you put a man and a woman on stage and you have a drama already. So, you know, bless his heart. But um, I think there is always a story. And sometimes it's like Giselle where you have a real narrative. And sometimes it's just like Bizet's second movement. It's I'm completely having a relationship with Tiet, like when we performed. It, there's no way you can be out there without a purpose or a sense of a, you know, relationship. So I think it's probably easier as an audience to relate when there's a story. Um, but again, I think any kind of dancing, even dancing just with the willies, you know, when you take them off the ground to bring them to the stage, I'm having a conversation. It's not just me just doing, you know, you come in, you go out, you know, like traffic, <laughs> you know, Air France lands this, over there. this drives, you know? Yeah. Questions? Oh, I'll, you and then I'll. Yes, sir. Uh, one of the season uh, announced, one of the ones I was really looking forward to was program six, specifically because of uh, I saw Ghosts last year. Right. That was amazing. I heard. With, when the ballerinas were in the red dress, was just off the hook. I'll, I'll repeat the. I'll repeat the question. Right. Oh. And then also uh, Chroma. Right. Specifically because I'm a white striped fan. So <laughs> it's like. I just 
The question is about um, the ballet Chroma and also the ballet Ghosts and the use of contemporary music. Well, I have to say I find it fascinating that we have um, that kind of combination. Um, the fact that actually you have choreographers that actually can get inspired to do that. And Chroma is definitely going to be one of the highlights of this season because that is something we actually haven't really done. I mean, we've done Eden in Den from Wayne McGregor. But Chroma is, I mean, all of us are like, oh my God, Chroma is coming up. Um, we don't really have that as a training background, so it's going to be very challenging for the company to put that. And Ghost, I think it had an amazing visual effect. And um, I heard exactly the same people like, oh my God, this is amazing. And I, again, it took a village. It's the music, it's the dancers, it's the costumes, it's the choreography, it's the concept. And we just, as dancers, you're just being the, the tool that's part of that equation again. So, yeah, it's definitely going to be rocking fun, for sure. Yes, sir. Yes. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk with us. Sure. My question is, you talk about pain and how it influences you professionally and on the stage, but how does pain, uh, is it addressed in a dancer's personal life? And sometimes, is there a cultural difference between how an American ballet dancer would address it versus French ballet dancer or a Russian ballet dancer? It's an interesting question. It's about the, how dancers deal with pain in their lives, and there's some cultural difference be between how a dancer in France might deal with pain versus a dancer in America. Well, I think, you know, that raises the question of um, how ballet companies are funded. In Europe, ballet companies are funded from the state, so if you dance and don't dance, you're you know, it doesn't quite matter. I think as a dancer, in general, most dancers want to be out there because if you really look at it in the big picture, um, a career of a dancer is so short that you don't want to be missing out that day or that week. Or, But, you know, it happens. Um, I think it's also a personal thing. I think some people just can go through a lot of pain and make it, and some people just don't. So it's a very personal thing. Um, I have to say, I've seen people working in America with major injuries that sometimes you go, maybe it's not such a good idea. But again, it relates to, you You know, it affects your income. It, you know, you, you feel like you, you can't really be out. It's just, that's the way it works in America. We're not state funded. And the fact that we are here is an amazing achievement. Um, so I think that has to, to do with the fact that you just don't want to be on that comp workers thing. But having said that, I think dancers just go through a lot of pain. They could just handle quite a bit. So I don't think there's a real culture thing beside the fact that, you know, companies are, are designed in a different way. Do, do men deal differently with pain than women? Um, well, girls have babies. <laughs> Bless them. Bless them, but um, I don't know. It's hard to say. I'm not a guy, but I'd say it's a lot harder for a girl anyway in this field. Uh, so I would say girls just take a lot more. But again, I don't have to lift a girl when you have a back injury. So, I, you know, I wouldn't put words that are not correct. But like I said, you know, girls have babies, so there must be something <laughs> beyond ballet there. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, yes, right there.
Uh, how old were you when you found out that dance was your passion and how intense was the training? It's an interesting question because I think it's always been my passion. I just think that I only realized it around maybe 10 or 11 and already then I was training every day. I was homeschooled. And I think I had everything said in a way that it was just the way it was going to be. There was no other thoughts going through my mind that I wanted to be elsewhere because, of course, you're not allowed to ski, to uh, ice skating. You're not allowed to do it because they don't want you to waste time being injured. And it, it was never a problem. So it puts you a little bit outside everybody else's uh, league. But um, I was happy in the studio. So I'd say around 10, 11 was pretty clear. You're welcome. Yes, sir. Uh, yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I can't. I'm not wearing my glasses. I'm sorry. Yes, ma'am. The question is uh, about anticipating, what, is a dance career what you thought it would be? Well, actually, I didn't really have a concept of what it would be like. Uh, the only thing I really always focused on was how magical it was for me to be on stage and being able to translate a story or an emotion without, without having to talk. So I've never had this sort of, you know, a business plan that I had to follow uh, because I didn't know. And basically, my career sort of, I mean... You know, I danced for the Dutch National for 11 years, and then I get this letter from New York City Ballet Master in Chief uh, Peter Martins going, if you'd be interested to join us for the winter season, please call us. And I thought it was a joke. Um, it, you know, so things sort of just happened to me. I didn't really go and fetch for it. So I think I just sort of let things happen. But all I know is that for me coming in and dance was what I wanted to do. Yes. Uh, yes, we have um, about Pilates. Do we have? Yes, we do have. Uh, we have a whole team of you know massage, physical therapy, doctors, Pilates. Um, so yes, we actually do that, and it's a good way to come back from injuries or when you can't move other parts of your body. It's a good way of doing it. So we do that. Yes. Maybe just one last question. Yes. The, you're talking about the. You're talking about the magical. Good way to end the magical qualities of this place. Can you talk a little bit more about that? And we'll end on that happy note. Well, I think it's hard to describe how magical it is. Um, I think it's like walking into a spiritual place, like a temple, like a church. I mean, I guess it just depends what you bend for. Um, I just don't think there's the one moment being on stage where you don't think about anything else. It's like the ultimate meditation. Like being Mirta and pulling those girls is that moment, that place. I don't want to be anywhere else. That This is exactly where I want to be. Um, and I, I hear that, you know, when you practice yoga, it's being in that moment right now. And that's the fount of, you know, true happiness. So... 
I relate to it that way, how magical it is, because being on stage at that moment, there's just nothing else going through my mind. So it's quite, that's quite magical. I'd like to thank my guest, Sofiane Silve, and thank you, dear audience, for joining us today and supporting San Francisco Ballet. You can listen to other Meet the Artist interviews on our website at sfballet.org. Enjoy the show. Thanks, Claire. Thank you. Thank you.